please don't wait till it's too late. Call McIntyre Elder Law. I just <clears throat> got to where I couldn't talk a second ago. I'm Marco Rubio. Hey, I'm Greg McIntyre with McIntyre Elder Law, helping seniors protect their assets and legacies. And we're going to talk about trust today and trust planning. So last time we talked about Medicaid crisis planning and I talked about a Medicaid asset protection trust. I'll go a little bit more in depth today and talk about the reasons you might need trust. I talk more people out of trust than, which is probably not Smart from a business perspective, but it's right from an ethical perspective. Many people think that they need trust and they don't. Um, or the reasons you need trust are twofold. Why might you need a trust, Taylor? To help two, pay two for grandkids, college. Okay, so advanced planning, right? Mm -hmm. Future planning. Okay. So future planning. I had a college professor in law school. That I had a college professor in law school. And he talked about dead hand control. Taylor, I want you to edit. A remote control in somebody's hands, taken up from a grave, okay? <laughs> Morbid, yes, but it's really, really gotten in my mind what trusts do. They allow you to control your money and property well into the future, well into the future for future generations. Perhaps you don't want to give your son, daughter, or grandchild or great-grandchild a lot of money at 18 years old. What, what might have happened, Taylor, if I gave you a million dollars at 18 years old? I would have blown it. Blown it on something stupid, right? Mm -hmm. Generally, that's what people do, right? It's, I don't know. You just don't have the wisdom at 18 that you might have after college and work at 30 or 35 or 40. So then, you know, you might want to set up and you might want to inspire your grandchildren and incentivize your grandchildren, great-grandchildren to go to college. So, or trade school, either one's fine. I'm a big advocate for trade school if college is not your thing. And yeah, you know, sometimes Sometimes I wish I was a plumber, right? They may make a lot of money and they, you know, they, they have a, a satisfying job, right? It just depends. Or a welder, you know, they make plenty. But to incentivize education, even higher education, so undergrad, graduate school, you might want to set out that you pay for college each year with room and board. You might want to put a clear statement in a trust that you're going to pay for that with funds, say from life insurance monies or whatever monies comes into the trust or you put in trust during your lifetime or your will could put money in your trust and that you, you're, you have a distinct need or, or wish that your descendants obtain their education as they need and want and to inspire that and incentivize that you're going to, allow, to, to put rules for the trustee to disperse the money in a discretionary manner to pay for that education, room and board, food, meals, things like that, each year until, say, the child reaches 25 or that person reaches 27, maybe even 30. 
Because if you were going to be a doctor, it would take many years longer than if you were just going to a four-year undergraduate school. So that, that's what trusts are great for. That's one thing. And then you might want to disperse the remainder of that child's or grandchild or great-grandchild's trust in following years over the next five years, say between the ages of 30 and 35, or over the next 10 years, between 25 and 35, you just disperse the principal 10% each year or 20% each year. That's an idea of what trusts are really good at doing. Trusts can also take a portion of your money and set up a charity, set up a fund to help children read or to, to, uh, to fund books for the library or, or, you know, something of that nature. Give to the church over time in increments. Trusts are good for many, many things uh, regarding future planning. And you set up a trustee. So you set up a trustee that is in charge and has a fiduciary duty, a legal duty to guard and protect that money and only follow the rules that you set forth in your trust well into the future. Now, what else is a trust good for? Voting permit. Avoiding (laughs) probate. Man, I would have done so good in school. You would have done a great job. You need to just quit right now and go to law school. I probably should. (laughs) We'll see you. So after this, finish filming this first, okay? So avoiding probate. So things that are already in trust or that the trust is a beneficiary of, for instance, a trust could be a beneficiary of your bank account, payable on death, or your insurance policies or annuities, IRAs. They can roll into a trust and either distribute outright or you could have IRA conduit language in the trust that allowed it to pass through to another generation, a family member, and then disperse it out uh, in, in distributions instead of having to take a lump sum. But it could fund the trust and avoid probate. So avoiding probate means that you're not going to use the will. Therefore, you're going to bypass the time and expense that it takes to go through the probate process and also avoid liens that can attach during probate with those assets that are already in the trust via trust administration. So that happens privately where wills are public documents, trusts are private documents. And when I say public, I mean wills are filed at the courthouse, okay, and trusts are administered privately say by a family or in a lawyer's office with the family. Three, what else could a trust be good at? Um, future planning, avoiding probate. You want to help me, Greg? Asset protection. Yes, yes. <laughs> so asset and property protection, right? So protection, okay? So it can protect assets, money, property, right? So money, property can be protected in a trust. So let's talk about asset protection. There are two types of trust at the top, okay? The way we think about it. So let's say trust types, okay? This is the way I'm going to explain it and break it down, okay? One, 
revocable living trust. Two, irrevocable trust, okay? So two types, revocable living trust or revocable trust and irrevocable trust. I will say also that you can create a trust during your life or you could create a trust in your will, okay? Which would be a testamentary trust, okay? Testamentary trust, all right? Testamentary trust you can write in your will. Almost every will we write gives an option for a special needs trust, right? Mm -hmm. That would be a third type. We'll address the third type here, okay? Special needs trust. But for asset protection, we'll start with revocable living trust or irrevocable trust. You can set either one of these up while you're alive, sign it into being. Even a power of attorney can set up a revocable trust or irrevocable trust for a person. Couldn't sign a will for that person, but could set up a trust for the principal that you're acting for. Um, a will can also be set up to set, uh, written to set up a trust to say hold a property and trust for someone's lifetime or to do the same thing we were talking about, college spending for money that was going through the will, okay? But just to get the will and testamentary trust off the table, I'm going to erase testamentary trust. And for my purposes, I'm going to focus on asset protection with revocable living trust and irrevocable trust. What's the difference between the two, Taylor? Um, on a revocable trust, you stay in control. On an irrevocable, you give, you give the trustee... On a revocable trust, right? Yes. You're the trustee. Mm -hmm. You stay in control. Okay. Very good. So, in <clears throat> control. In an irrevocable trust... You appoint a trustee. Third party... <clears throat> Trustee, right? Mm-hmm. So, do you want to be in control of your money during your life? Or do you want to have a third-party trustee? I don't know about you, but I want to be in control of my property during my life. Taylor, how about you? I do too. However, what if I told you that Medicaid, for instance, if you had to go for long-term care and you wanted to protect the money in the trust, this revocable trust has absolutely no asset protection value for you mm -hmm. because the government looks at you being in control means if we use this trust with the money in there, right? You see some monopoly money in there. As an example, hey, Sonia. So if we use that as an example, you know, you have your hand in the cookie jar. You're in control. You can take money out of it, or you can put money in it. You can take the Monopoly Hotel out of it, put it in it. The Monopoly House. I think I have a Monopoly dog in there. <laughs> you can take the house out of it. You can put it in it. You can break it. You can cancel it. You can throw it away. You can do anything you want to with the trust document and any property that's within the trust or assigned to the trust. Therefore, you are in total control of the trust. The government would deem you to have an asset there. Whatever's in that trust is also your asset, okay? Is that good for long-term care Medicaid for an aging senior? No. 
No. It could be problematic depending on if you had long-term care insurance, other planning, or how deep your pockets were to pay for long-term care. So what we might want to do is look at an irrevocable trust. So a disadvantage, you're in control, but a disadvantage, I'm going to put that in red, would be instead of a instead of a you know a green check mark here in control, and I draw back here third party, right? I'm gonna say you are counted or it's counted as an asset, okay? Alright, so it's counted as an asset. So we're going to put an X by that one, okay? So count it as an asset, all right, for the remote local living trust. And then we're going to say a check mark here for the irrevocable trust, not counted, okay? So it's essentially safe. It's a safe asset. And it's managed by a third-party trustee. That's actually how this Medicaid Asset Protection Trust would work. It's an irrevocable trust. Whatever money and property is in there stays in there. Managed by a third-party trustee. They could flip the, the little dispenser there and as a beneficiary, pull out annual uh, profits from the trust, things of that nature. Um, uh, and, and, and then you know, use those as they see fit, okay, for whatever needs to be done. But you essentially divorce yourself of ownership of that money and put that in a safe and appoint a third-party trustee. An advantage of having the house in the trust in a Medicaid planning situation is this house could be sold if it needed to be sold and converted to money. The house comes out of the trust and belongs to someone else. The money never touches your hands, so to speak, and would be in the trust. And the Medicaid look-back clock would still be ticking on that, okay? Or it would be safe if it had been in there over the look-back period, three years for assisted living, five years for nursing home Medicaid. That is the advantage of an irrevocable trust when you're doing estate planning, okay? And that's a great advantage, that it's not counted. Also, that you have, I'm going to give a check mark here, you have flexibility, to buy and sell assets, okay? So you have flexibility. And, and not, you know, you have flexibility to buy and sell assets here, but it's, again, it's, it's, it's counted as an asset for Medicaid look back. It's not counted here. So the advantage of an irrevocable trust is it's essentially the best safe that we could draft in North Carolina to hold money and property for the future. <laughs> Mallory's looking into it. So it's the best safe you can draft to hold money and property for the future, okay? But does not give great flexibility or keep the person, the senior, in control of that money you put there. So, you know, if you have a nest egg, you might want to put a portion. You could put, you could consider putting one half of assets in an irrevocable trust, maybe keeping one half liquid, or you could put two thirds of assets irrevocable and 
If you wanted to get fancy, you could do one-third in a revocable living trust. There's All of the above are available to you. If your money was long enough, if you had enough, and long-term care, and what's enough? Meet with me. I'd be glad to discuss what I think enough is, and it depends on your situation. Then this may be off the table. You might say, you know what? There's no reason to do that. Let's make sure you have asset protection and control and probate avoidance well into the future, okay? Right? And, and we'll just use the revocable living trust. We may meet, and you may have it in your head that you need a trust, okay? And we spend the whole time looking at the fact that most of your assets are qualified funds, IRAs, 401ks, retirement funds that are pre-taxed. Those do not fit into trust. They don't go into trust, okay? So if that's the case, you already have beneficiaries there, it's not a good idea to cash those, in my opinion, and lose half their value, 40% or more of their value, because of the tax loss to cash an asset like that, to put it in trust. Unless I have clients who that's really what they want to do. They want to make sure they set it aside to protect it, okay? And it's up to the client in the end. I can only give my advice. So that's a little bit about trust. I'll finish up with special needs trust. Special needs trust are assets for special. It's also called a supplemental needs trust. And we write it again. Taylor, where can you find a special needs trust? In our wills. In every one of our wills that we write. Because it gives the option for someone who is on, say, disability and is asset sensitive, SSI with a Medicaid health care component, and they need you know, a lot of health care because of the disability. Instead of just rejecting that gift, they have the option of going, setting up a special needs trust that can hold the money to be spent for them during their life for anything other than the government or government benefit they receive. So housing and clothing, or housing and food, I believe, so SSI. So you can, it's meant to supplement, not supplant that benefit. And there's specific rules. We do handle special needs trusts regularly, and we would be glad to uh, draft a special needs trust if you think that's an issue. If you know you're dealing with a situation where you're worried about that, there's a loved one that is special needs that you want to make sure is taken care of. A special needs trust is the way to go, and it doesn't step on their benefit that they already already receive. And the reason we write it in the will is we don't know what's going to happen in the future to any of your heirs, right? And what you know we would hate for them to miss out on a bequest on something you're giving them that could help them have a better quality of life. So this can work in Medicaid planning. Special needs trusts are, are non-recoverable. How about they, they're a safe place to put money for Medicaid planning, okay? Um, I won't say non-recoverable, but we can talk about how the beneficiaries work individually in a special needs trust and strategies. However, special needs trusts are great planning tools to plan for a special needs individual in your life, okay? I really enjoy what I do. I'm Greg McIntyre. I hope you've enjoyed this six-part series that we've done. We've done six parts over the last six, seven weeks, haven't we, Taylor? Yeah. And thank you for filming them, You're Taylor. Welcome. Taylor's going to post this at 10 o'clock on Facebook Friday morning. Tune in every week for the Elder Law Report at 10 a.m. where we have educational, educational talks. We have special guests, something related to seniors in their lives and hopefully improving them. If you need to contact us, 
You can call us at 704-259-7040. That's 704-259-7040 or online. We have a wealth of information and you can contact us, contact us directly on mcelderlaw.com. That's mcelderlaw.com. Thank you and have a great day. We put off planning till things get slow. Tomorrow's never promised today. Don't get too busy and let it all slip away. Please don't wait till it's too late. Call McIntyre Elder Law. Foundational planning or more complex. We can help when you're perplexed. If a loved one needs long-term care, we can help avoid some of the scare. Please don't wait till it's too late. Call McIntyre Elder Law. State planning benefits and even probate. We take the planning piece off your plate. If you or your spouse were in the military, we can help with benefits for your family. Please don't wait till it's too late. Call McIntyre Elder Law.